When you hear mainframe, I bet you think old school or dinosaur or at the very least legacy. After this episode with CompuWare's Tim Saradsky, you might change your mind with hundreds of billions of lines of COBOL driving the vast majority of transaction processing in the U.S. economy, mainframes aren't going anywhere anytime soon. In fact, with COBOL programmers retiring en masse over the next decade, colleges and code schools are picking up on the massive demand. And get this, CompuWare's tools allow the use of modern CI-CD toolchains, IDEs, and code visualizations that make a good case to banish the green screen monochrome horror stories you might imagine. Stick around for the fascinating tale of the COBOL renaissance. Tim, thanks for joining us. Really cool to have you here. Yeah, Ledge, appreciate it. Always glad to talk about this. It's a, it's a fun topic right now. Fantastic. So uh, just so you know, audience get to know you a little bit, maybe give like, you know, two, three minute intro of yourself and, and then your work and, and then we'll jump into the topic a little bit. My team is the, what we call field technical support. So working for CompuWare, I've got 18 people on the team and we go out with individual customers and our market is primarily the mainframe, um, which many of your listeners may or may not realize, but is still live and well, um, still very, very busy. And uh, it's growing by leaps and bounds, actually. It's a, it's a pretty dynamic area. So what we've been able to do is is actually apply the concepts of DevOps to the mainframe. So CompuWare as a company has been around for over 40 years. We build a lot of the tools that systems get built on from being able to program and do fault analytics and solve problems, performance analysis, et cetera. But then leveraging what people do with DevOps has really taken a turn for making the mainframe platform much more powerful um, as people try to, to keep up with the pace of change. Yeah, I totally understand that. That makes a lot of sense. And, you know, you made a great point early on uh, in our, our dialogue before we, you know, hit record here uh, that, you know, the mainframe itself is probably, you know, associated with, you know, kind of this dinosaur legacy, uh, not agile kind of environment. But that, that actually, like, if you dig into the history of it, that's not correct. And, um, doesn't need to be tied up that way. I just, you know, I bet you have this conversation all the time with, with clients and developers, you know, what's that like? You know, walk us through that way of thinking because um, the way CompuWare does that, I think, is is kind of unique and is, is right. a great niche. Yep. Yeah, it's it's really been eye-opening, I think, for a lot of our clients that traditionally, if you talk with folks and you, you throw the word mainframe out, in many organizations, they see and equate mainframe with legacy, they equate it with slow or ponderous, and you, you know, insert your adverbs and adjectives here, but the reality is that the mainframe uses the fastest processors going, it, it has more data living on that platform and being used, there's nothing like it in the, in the industry, which where you're able to do so much processing and transaction processing on a mainframe platform, it, it outstrips any other platform you can put it on, but you got to have the right workload to run on it. It doesn't make sense to try to run a web server on it that you're, you know, logging in and uploading video files to. That's not its place in life, but if you need to be able to handle a credit card transaction that has to touch 
three or four different companies, lots of different networks, different systems, and do everything in three seconds or less, and it's billions of times in a day, there's really no other platform out there that does it as well as the mainframe. So what we were, we've been able to really focus on is taking people from realizing that, okay, it's a really powerful platform, but the people that work with it are getting to, you know, they're getting closer at that point in their lives where they want to be able to slow down, take the grandkids fishing and, and relax a bit. And being able to say, hey, you know what, there's ways to take advantage of what's being done in the DevOps space and being agile with this platform while still maintaining the key characteristics of that make the mainframe what it is. It's fail never, it's highly reliable, super high performance, et cetera. How do you kind of put those two things together and really DevOps and the, and the agile approach are the key to doing the whole thing because you can automate the delivery of quality and the delivery of effectiveness in your in your service delivery in a way that just wasn't possible using a traditional waterfall approach. And that's what's really helping unlock the value of the mainframe for the modern era. And so how, you know, obviously people are thinking all about cloud now, uh, even moving from on-prem, you know, like where does yep. this all fit together? I imagine there's got to be some kind of a, a layer of software and services in between that, there are obviously great use cases for being, you know, mostly cloud, all cloud. Um, and what we're saying here, I guess, is that, you know, there's there's obviously some missing legacy and or maybe even new use cases for, for the mainframe. To does, Is there a, a renaissance here or, you know, what, how do you guys see that? Well, I think what's really helping people understand how to architect solutions is, the realization that put the put the right workload on the right platform. Cloud systems are excellent at being able to be very flexible, scale up, scale down, uh, get global reach very rapidly. The mainframe is excellent at being able to, to push through transactions and kind of keep that corporate DNA in a safe location because, you know, your business logic on a mainframe and that enterprise data, that's the, that's the keys to the kingdom. And so trying to find architectures that pull both of those pieces together is really important. But it's also empowering those those people that are kind of that digital natives that that look at things from a frame of reference in the cloud and giving them tools that allow them to exercise those same processes and those and the ability to have continuous delivery and continuous integration pipelines that stand up so they don't have to know how to go in and code JCL and and make all these little tweaks and things that people have learned how to do for 30 years today's information worker isn't doesn't have time to sit there and learn everything there is to know about one specific piece of code they've got to be given a task jump into it they may never have seen the code before understand it make the changes and push it into a devops pipeline that ensures that the change they made doesn't negatively impact everything else that's out there because you're talking millions of lines of code and if you don't have an automated way of of testing all of that then you're you're back to the same old well we're going to have to study this we're going to have to go test everything for 6 months before we can allow that to go to production so all of these pieces that's why we're kind of at a critical mass if you will in terms of devops around the mainframe because bringing all these pieces together allow us to blend 
cloud and on-prem mainframe in a way that really makes it powerful. We And the reason why we know this works, we've done it. In 2015, we made the, the conscious choice to move completely to an agile stance. We got rid of all of our on-premise equipment except for our mainframe. Everything else is in the cloud. We even develop an interface with our mainframe by running our IDE out of a Amazon AppStream 2 um, setup. So we can deliver our, our desktop-based uh, Eclipse environment is running out of an Amazon uh, AppStream App 2 instance. So it's really, it kind of changes the game whenever you realize that we're plugging in the mainframe into Jenkins pipelines, we're pushing information into Sonar, we're working with release automation like orchestration tools like Xebia Labs and, and Electric Cloud and others. So we are right on that cutting edge. In fact, you can even find CompuWare on the uh, DevOps periodic table, um, which if you're familiar with that tool, we're the only mainframe ISV that's on it. That's fantastic. So you are dealing in many cases, right, with like a, a gigantic monolithic collection of millions of lines of like, I don't know, COBOL, right? Or, yep. or some legacy language. Um, is it largely that you're then creating an interface that makes it easier to deal with that, that is more modernized? But I mean, that code base still exists there, right? You're not Correct. talking about replacing it with a, a more modern language, for example. Correct. And it's kind of a misnomer. A lot of people, you know, when they first look at COBOL and they kind of treat it as, oh my goodness, that's the first thing we got to start with. We got to replace COBOL. And there's some, just some uh, cultural reasons why, you know, we haven't been teaching COBOL as a modern language in a while. Although COBOL itself, you know, has been a continuously developed language uh, IBM's been a great steward of the COBOL language for many, many decades, and it does a phenomenal job at being able to do transaction processing, um, and it's a very maintainable language, and the funny thing is, once you get the tools out of the way and people quit having to go to the green screen to be able to do all of their work, if you can set them up with a set of tools that allow them to work in an Eclipse environment like they're used to doing with Java or anything else, and then you empower them with tools that allow them to scan the code and provide a structure chart that shows them everything that on that massive program, lays it out for them, makes it easy to traverse that. You give them logic flows that you click on a paragraph and it'll diagram out the logic for you. It'll You choose a variable and it'll show you not only every place that variable is used, but all the aliases that feed in, in and out of it. And you really start to give people the tools that they need to be able to understand it. And all of a sudden they go, wait a minute, this is, this COBOL stuff's easy. It's, I mean, the funny thing is COBOLs, if anybody that's a programmer can sit down and read through COBOL and realize this is no big deal. I've seen all this stuff. Um, this is, it's procedural language, so it's not like object-oriented where you really got to be kind of intimate with it before you understand all the, the gotchas and the ins and outs of, of object-oriented. COBOL, I, I would basically say virtually every programmer out there could work within co with COBOL and be very successful with it. I don't think there's anybody out there that would be challenged by it. Going the other direction, it's, it's more challenging. 
because you have to learn more concepts. So it's actually, uh, it's more about the tools and the processes than the language itself. Do you guys imagine that there's going to be, you know, sort of a, a COBOL renaissance that, you know, or, or mainframe renaissance that like, like would someone start out from scratch right now uh, and think about solving a problem that way? Is, is that going to happen? You know, that's a great question. I, and I think that's probably one of the, the more challenging aspects. I don't know that uh, it, that's where it's harder to get started on taking a new problem. There's nothing really to stop someone from doing that. But I do think it's, it's much less likely. There's companies all over the world that are leveraging their COBOL source code because it's, it, it's much more difficult to move away from COBOL than people understand in those business applications. So it's not about creating new applications and leveraging those in most cases. I believe there are a few out there, but, that, you know, just being, being uh, straightforward with it, I don't think that's the, the real emphasis of the industry, but it is about optimizing and refactoring those existing COAL programs to make them more efficient, to make them really more modern and giving them the tooling to do it. I understand. understand. Do you think, uh, think colleges should be out there making sure everybody knows this stuff? You know, it's funny. There's over 3,000 universities worldwide that are still very actively teaching um, IBM mainframes. And we work with many. Uh, we're working with uh, Northwestern, uh, Northwest Illinois. We work with, uh, or sorry, Northern Illinois University. We work with Robert Morris um, and, and several others that are all very actively uh, trying to increase their mainframe competency and so that they're and what they find is that their students that do get some mainframe experience if they've got basically anything mainframe on their resumes they get job offers almost immediately coming out of college because there's university or i'm sorry companies that are very actively hiring in that space i know and many of the customers that i work with directly in fact i'm familiar with with one gentleman who took his son on a college visit and the uh, head of the, uh, the computer science department was giving them a, a discussion, you know, where the, the students were all standing or the prospective students were standing there. And he basically said, Hey, you know, uh, or they asked the question, do you teach mainframe? And, and the professor tried to tell him, Oh no, the mainframes that's gone away. That's old technology. Nobody's hiring for that. And so my friend, basically raised his hand is like, do you do understand that most of the major organizations in the, um, are around are hiring in that space? And then he tried to correct him. He's like, well, let me, let me rephrase it. I'm a hiring manager at one of these locations. And I'm telling you that I hire 20 to 30 new mainframe programmers every single year. We do that ourselves. We CompuWare has, uh, I would say 25 to 35% of our development staff at this point are five years or less out of college. So and this so is really interesting for us thinking on, you know, in terms of how to uh, provide maybe a, a non-traditional learning path, you know, for existing freelancers who, yep. you know, they're probably going to be having grown up on, you know, full stack JavaScript, uh, maybe, maybe some more of the, you know, C, C++, um, Java, lots of Python, you know, so is there a learning track that could, could make them attractive for these uh, highly lucrative, you know, potentially um, 
more available and more interesting roles, you know, particularly through the, the types of things that you guys are doing where they can say, okay, you know, this isn't just a, a dusty uh, monochrome interface, you know, anymore. And, and maybe I should take a look at this. How does, how does a, a current, you know, sort of, like you said, digital native or full stack JavaScript developer even begin to look at this stuff? There's a lot of resources there. IBM's pretty good about putting out some resources. There's an, a user uh, organization called Share that uh, puts on a conference a couple of times a year, and there's typically quite a few workshops and labs, et cetera, at Share to participate in. Um, you have to look at, uh, there's DB2 environments, and, and really I would suggest focusing on a specific technology in the, say, DB2 or CICS or WebSphere, et cetera, as a way of, of kind of, you know, a starting point. Another one would be as if you're an expert in DevOps tools. Um, there are companies that are very actively looking for trying to understand how can they leverage infrastructures like Jenkins and CloudBees and, you know, Sonar Source and so on, taking some of those technologies that they may have had experience with from the Java world and being able to help companies think through and architect how to it, bring in new uh, platforms such as the mainframes into their, uh, their pipelines and be thought leaders around that. Another really uh, heavy area that uh, we're seeing a lot of traction in right now is automated testing. And jo the Java world was, was kind of a leader in terms of with JUnit and, and technologies and testing frameworks. The mainframe CompuWare actually is, is we've built a product called Total Test that provides automated unit testing, automated functional testing, we're building in regression testing and so on, and helping customers think through the the practices of how to actually leverage automated testing to help increase their code quality is, is really a, a key area. And I think that's an area that people are going to need help with uh, for years to come. That's fantastic. This is really interesting stuff, Tim. Thank you so much for, uh, for sharing with us. It's a new area for me as well. So it's, it's really neat to think about, you know, all these things that we're starting to uh, use, you know, in flight for, you know, your sort of fast growing startups. Um, that that you're able to you bring those to bear on uh, these more legacy style environments and really uh, you know bring it up to to speed with the agile practices. Very very cool. Thanks for spending the time with us. Yeah, absolutely. We love talking about it, and and we see we see clients every day that are have been struggling with this type of thing for years, and it's like you're you're shining a light you know, on their struggle and bringing them to the forefront. And I've actually had distributed teams that once they've they've been through and they've started evolving what we're doing in the mainframe they're coming to us and asking can you help us do this on the distributed side because we're, we're kind of leapfrogging in many respects being able to do the visualization of what we're doing it, it's pretty remarkable so yeah it's very exciting to be a part of thanks for sharing with us today really appreciate your time all right thanks David. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast, produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you enjoyed the show and want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to Gun.io slash podcast to get in touch, and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer.
Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast, produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to Gun.io and get in touch. Let us know you heard the podcast, and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer.